to, when they first start, we try to get them to walk and to talk. And then we spend the rest of our life telling them to sit down and be quiet. <laughs> you know? But let me, tell you, let me tell you on a serious note. Did you know that, that, that 90%, let me tell you the, the power of a father, okay? When mothers, have got, you got your own little deal, okay? And you are so important in the family. You're equally as important. But let me tell you the part that, that the families are missing in the father. Do you know that 90% of homeless and runaway children, 71% of dropout, high school dropouts, 75% of youth in drug rehabilitation abuse centers, and 85% of all youth in prison have one thing in common, a fatherless home. That's how important you are, gentlemen. That's how important you are, being there. And I want to talk to you today about side effects. I'm having some side effects from this medicine. And right here, don't nobody punch me, punch me right here or I'll be able to knock you out today. Right here in that little test, real tender right there. <clears throat> I'm playing. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I would. Um, <laughs> don't risk it. Uh, um, but ha- have you ever um, seen, seen the advertisement, I mean, the, 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 the little fine writing for prescription medication? You know, it, says, it talks about all these side effects. And if you watch them on television, you'll die. I mean, I mean the one that tricks me the most is it, it says all this stuff and it says possible death. I'm like, why would I take that medication? You know, it talks about all kind of stuff like, like cripple and all kind of different things going on and just all the things that happen. I'm just like, there's no way I would take that medicine. A recent study by the Indiana University of Medicine analyzed um, 5,000 common medicines, and they said um, they found that the 200 most commonly prescribed medications, antidepressants, antivirals, Parkinson's medications and such, um, had an average of 100 side effects. So there's, there's crazy things like that. Um, now, but the thing is, is, we always look at the negative side effects, don't we? We don't look at the benefits of it. You know, the, you know all the, I, mean, I, well, I didn't tell you nothing good about what, the medicine I was taking. The good thing about that medication is, is that it's going to heal, heal my gut right here, you know, in, in my intestines, and I'm going to feel better probably by tomorrow because I've been taking it since Friday, so probably tomorrow I'm going to start feeling a lot better. I'm still going to be dizzy and some stuff, but it, it's going to heal me. It's going to help me. See, and we focus always on the negative. And it's the same way with fathers. How many people, everybody talks about mom and mom's day was so wonderful and we need to because you are precious to us. But dads, we get the bad rap all the time. We always, always talking about the bad. Now there are some, some, some dads that, that, that need help, you know, and, and need to step up their game, you know, and I believe that's what we're going to, that's what's going to happen today possibly through this, 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 this message. And hopefully I don't believe there's anybody in here. I got some, some fabulous dads here at Kingdom Life. Y'all, y'all are amazing. <clears throat> but, but, but we need to, we need to also focus on, on the beneficial part. Matter of fact, there's a special um, thing here. There's, there was a, a popular hair restoring uh, medicine that you can take that helps people grow hair. Now, the thing is, is they found that out because it was a side effect of high, some high blood pressure medicine. So they would never have found that out without the side effect. That's a positive thing. <clears throat> I, I think I might go by tomorrow and, and take a five-hour energy and make my blood pressure go up and get some medicine, hadn't I? Uh, no, I, I'm good. I, I, got, I got some fuzz up there. So. But there's side effects to every decision that we make in our life. Every decision you make in your life, there's a side effect. We feel like I make that decision, there's nothing happening. You know, you know if, if, if I go out and, and do drugs or, or, or look at porn or, 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 ha, or have premarital sex or, or do all these, uh, lie, cheat, steal, you know, do all these things, there's, we think that it's just that sin. That's the only thing that bothers. But it has side effects. It, it, it bothers other people around us, and it bothers us in other parts of our lives. 
especially if you're married, and especially if you have kids. It's going to bother them. You think it's just, well, I'm just doing this. I'm just acting this way. I'm just looking at this. I'm just I'm taking this, and, and it's just me, and it's, I'm, I'm dealing with it myself. No, everybody around you is dealing with it one way or another. And, and, and you may act like everything's fine, but it, it has there's side effects. And we've got to be careful about that. But there's positive side effects. Ephesians 6, 1 and 3 tells us if we obey our parents, we'll live long and prosper. You know, hey. Um, but the thing is, 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 is that there's a positive side. We, 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 we do good. We, we obey our parents. And God says, you know, there's a promise with that. And there's a lot of things in our Christian life that we do. Christianity by non-Christians, unbelievers, are, they look at, at the, the Bible, the Word of God, and they look at Christians as all the negatives. What is all them rules and regulations? You, know, you can't do this, whatever, whatever, whatever. And they look at that rather than look at the positive. But Matthew, the Matthew 6, principle says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So if you seek God first and you put him first, then he's saying you're going to have some side effects. You put God first, there's going to be some good side effects that's going to happen in your life. But we look at the word of God as being too restrictive. We look at it as being rules or regulations. And thou, thou shall not. And this kind of, but it's actually, actually, I want to change your mindset on that today. Hopefully you'll remember this and tell somebody when they tell you that. It's an invitation. It's not restrictions. It's an invitation. Let's, let's, let's look at one of them. It says, thou shalt have no other God before me. That's an, that is an invitation to have an exclusive relationship with the God of the universe. He's saying, I'm inviting you not to have other gods and not to have to figure out who you're serving and that. I'm inviting you just to serve me and me alone and then, and then have an exclusive relationship, just me and you. Hey, what do you, what do, you do a lot of times whenever you, when you're dating? You know, you, you're talking, you're whatever, hanging, whatever, whatever you call it nowadays. And, and you say, hey, we're going to date exclusively. You're, you're only dating that one person. And so there's a lot of the things in the Word of God has given us, given us benefits. And they're saying, hey, I want you to, to have an invitation to do things. Okay? Proverbs 3, 7, and 8. <clears throat> it says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have the healing for your body and strength for your bones. So see, you do this, and, and there's a side effect. There's something that comes with it. There's something that happens with it. Look at this benefit. Healing for your body and strength from your bones. Amen. Okay, it's a, kind of difficult, but it's saying that you can be um, incredibly moral, incredibly good, incredibly knowledgeable, and still make dumb decisions. Okay? That's why it says do not be um, impressed with your own wisdom. Don't be impressed with yourselves. See, humility, you know, when you're impressed with yourselves, you walk around with pride. You've seen people that are impressed with themselves, impressed with their knowledge, and they're impressed with their wisdom. That, that, that's what he's, he's talking not, not to do. It, um, you, you can make a decision to be humble. You can say, I'm going to make a decision. You can say, to God be the glory, you know, not, not me. The only good thing in me is Jesus, you know. But that, the thing is, that's a decision that you're trying to make. But that sounds good, but it's not, it, that's not reality. Humility is, is not a decision. It's a side effect. Humility. The opposite of pride is not humility. The opposite of pride is worship. Because whenever you are, 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 in, you are prideful, it's all about me. But when you are in worship, it's all about him. So worship is actually the opposite. Because when you, when you are in worship with God, not in a worship service, but you are in worship in a worship service or at home, what have you, you are totally focused on him. And you realize in that moment how big he is. 
You realize how grand he is and how insignificant you are. And you, 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 do, like, you do like in Isaiah where, where, where he says, Woe is me, I'm undone, and, and I have unclean lips, I'm an unclean person. See, we, we, we get into worship and we start looking at God and seeing the, and praying and seeing how awesome he is. And we, hear, we know that he answers prayers and cares for us and takes care of us. And then all of a sudden, we just, we just realize, you know what? It's not about me. I ain't, I'm not all that in a bag of chips like I thought I was. When we worship, we, we, we have that result of focusing only and totally on him. So we should, we should uh, get on our faces before God and seek his face on a regular basis because there's nothing compared to him. One thing he says here to do is he says to fear the Lord. And I just mentioned the, Isaiah, the, the prophet Isaiah did this very thing in his vision. He said, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. Fear, fear of the Lord is not, I'm scared. That, that word fear there is not scared. That word fear it means all. You know, if you've ever went to the Grand Canyon or the first time at Disney World or wherever at, and you walk to a place and you're just like, you just open your eyes and you're like, wow. Fear of the Lord is wow. You're like, wow, God, look how amazing you are. Look how big, look how great this is. This is magnificent. This is wonderful. This is so visually incredible. This is um, physically incredible. It's just incredible. And you, just, you can just sit there and say that whenever you fear the Lord, you are, you are magnifying God to how big he really is. And you're, you're not scared of him. You're in awe of him. You stand in awe. And then it says, turn away from evil. We have to turn away from evil. We have to do that. We have to turn away from evil. We have to walk away from anger. We have to, to, to run from lust. We, we have to ask God to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When stuff happens our ways, we need to pray and say, God, help me to, 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 to run from evil. Help me to see traps. When I see a person or see a, a situation, help me not to fall into that. Because our actions, our repeated actions will cause us to fall. It's actually turning you into a wise, your actions turn you into a wise person or a foolish person. You know why? Because your character is forged in everyday little small situations. It's not forged in one big thing. It's your everyday walk. It's the little things. It's when people aren't looking at you. It's when people are looking at you. It's how you handle situations. It's how you respond to situations. All those things, that character, integrity of who you are is a big deal. It's not my wisdom that I seek. It's biblical wisdom. When, so when it says seek wisdom, you know, you, when I was younger, you would always think, well, it says, you know what, well, Solomon sought wisdom. That's why he was so smart. Well, yeah, he was smart, but, but I don't really think that it was wisdom, the, 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 the mind wisdom that he received. I feel like that it was his spiritual wisdom. Because if I, you give me a man that's just really smart in his mind and a, really, a man that's really smart in spiritual wisdom, the man that's spiritual wisdom is going to trump you every day, all day long. Because he, God's going to give you the spiritual wisdom to make decisions. He's going to give you the spiritual wisdom to know things. And he'll give you wisdom through that spiritual decisions to make decisions that will make you happy and to make you whole and to make you um, uh, move forward in, in your walk with him. So let me give you five quick things. Knowing God, number one. The first thing you got to do to, to, to really receive the wisdom of God is to know God. It says, let love and faithfulness, in verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them on your neck 
and write them on the tablet of your heart. Okay? And some people don't want to forget it. And I think there's a picture up there. It is. It's a picture of a tattoo. He that's not necessarily what the scripture is talking about. But that he, he, he didn't want to remember that he can be saved by Christ. But that's not, that's not what he's saying. It, it is saying here that, you, that, that, that no matter what happened, you've got, you got to get wisdom. That deep in your heart, that you, if, if you know God and you trust God and you know God, then see, when it, and he, know that he's faithful, then what happens, you won't ever panic. You won't ever really walk in a lot of fear because he will, be, he will anchor you. Whenever you know God then, and you know his faithfulness, truly in and out, then, you, then, then things just don't freak you out anymore. You just, you're just like on cruise mode. And you're like, God's got this. He's faithful. He's going to do it. There's no more anxiousness. You don't get as anxious. You don't get as fearful. You, you, just, walk in, you just walk in Christ. And you're like, okay. I got this because I know God's faithful. I know he's not going to let me down. I know he's not going to fail me. I know that. Work is important. But so many people, they don't put their faith in God. And they don't know God. They know and put their faith in work. And they know their work. And, and jumpers, the jumpers of 1929 is a little story. Will, Will Rogers happened to be in the New York on um, Black Thursday, October the 24th. 1929 he was a nationally syndicated newspaper column writer and he wrote when wall street took that tailspin you had to stand in line to get a window to jump out of and and, and spectators were selling space for bodies in the east river it was a bad day on october 24th it said from that day until christmas it said that a hundred suicides and were attempted so it's hundred suicides and attempted suicides were reported in the new york times why because of the crash of the economy. Because they put their faith in their money. They put their faith in their job. They didn't know God enough to say, God, give me wisdom to know the difference. They put their, that's why the Bible says the root, the root of all evil is money. Money's not evil. The root of all evil is, is, is money. And so, and so it, 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 you got you to gotta trust God and say, you know what, I'm not going to put, that's why on the dollar bill it says, in God we trust. It's, it, even the money's trying to tell you that, hey, you know, that this right here is where you're supposed to get, get your, your, your trust from, not this dollar bill. Okay? And then, then, then the number three, submitting to his word. Notice, I didn't say the scripture or to the Bible. S submitting to his word, God's word, or what he says. Not your version, not your understanding, but God's word. The Bible says, lean not to your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. So you got to submit to the word of God. As a matter of fact, if you're going to overcome the enemy, that's what you got to do, right? James says, you know, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. So many people try just to resist the devil because I'm a Christian. No, God, no you got to submit to God first and then submit the devil, and he'll flee. He don't flee just because. you got to be living in the community. you got to have accountability. If you're going to be a man of God and you're going to have wisdom and you want to know God and you want to have the spiritual wisdom of God, you have got to live in the community. You've got to, to be accountable and know that I don't have all the right answers. I'm not always going to be right. But so many times we're so scared to be wrong, we just make all the wrong decisions. So many times we walk around, we don't want to be, we don't want to be embarrassed. And we're so embarrassed to make a wrong decision, we just walk around and, and just try to make people believe we're right even when we're not. Here, number five. The commitment has to be total. Luke 14 and 25. I don't even think it's on the screen. 
And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned to them and said, Luke 14, 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father, his mother, his wife and his children, and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What Jesus was saying is, you got to love me 100, 100%. I've got to be number one in your life. Everybody else is second. If everybody else goes away, it doesn't, I'm the one that's going to be there. It's, I'm number one. Your spouse is number two. Your children, and then your job and church and everything else. Church and your job and all that. But God has to be number one. I thought, I thought somebody taking the camera picture or something. I keep seeing something flashing. I was like, geez. But, but the thing is, though, so he has to be 100%. You have to, God has to be your number one. God has to be your ride or die. You have to f- totally submit to God. If you've got anything else that, 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 is, that you're serving and is making your God, that's what God said earlier. This is an invitation, an invitation for you to serve God and him alone and for him to be your sole provider. Because if, you, if you're trusting in, in, in anybody else to be your provider, you're, you're not going to be provided for very long. Because they're not, probably not trusting in God, in themselves, in, in God to be their, your, their provider. So therefore, God has to be the sole provider. If everybody did that, it would, it would be such a good day. It would be such a good week. We could change our, our, our families. We could change our churches. We could change our, 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 our church, our community. We could change the world. If everybody would just, was, would just do these things and, and, and lean not to their own understanding and try to know God and sense God and, and totally say, you're number one God. If, we could just, if that's the only thing that we could do and we can just make everybody make God number one, the world would absolutely change beyond imagination. If you could come, Don, I, just want to, I want to tell you, I want to do an acronym real quick on the word father. If you're going to be a good father, here's some things that you have to give to your children and to your wife, spouse. No, um, F, faith. You have to give faith. You're going to have to give faith to them and, and, and help them understand you've got to trust God. When you go through situations, you know, you've got to say, hey, we're going to pray about it. You need to, you need to pray about it in front of your spouse and your children. You need to get everybody together and pray about it and show them we're going to trust God in this situation. We're going to believe God in this situation. And A, you need acceptance. You need to accept your spouse and your children and let them be who they're supposed to be. Just because you wanted to be a, 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 an architect don't mean that they have to be an architect. Let them be who they want to be in Christ. And let them, let them become who they need to be in Christ. And accept them. And love them. And number, number F-A-T, T is for time. Let me tell you what, one of the greatest things that you can give your family is time. Time is, today is the new money. Everybody's wanting it. There was a little girl one day that went to her dad in his office. He had an office in, in his house. And he went back there to the house and um, into her, his office and said, Dad, I, I want to make an appointment. She said, he's a, she said, how much does it cost to make an appointment with you? And he said, what? He said, well, it costs $100 an hour. She says, well, I want to make an appointment. And she, he said, do you have money? She said, no, sir, but I'll save my, I'll save my, my, um, my allowance. Well, why, honey? Because I don't never get time with you, Daddy. And I figured if I did this, I would know that I would have some time with you. Are you spending time with your kids? Are you spending time with your spouse? Or are you spending all your time at work? Are you spending all your time at play? 
It's very important to give your, your family that time. H, help. They need help. They need help reading the Word of God. They need help discipling the Word of God. They need help in their devotions. They need help in everything. They need, maybe need help doing their homework. Maybe they need, they need help, um, you know, making um, high school decisions, making college decisions. They need your help. You need to be present during those times for that. So number one, you need to give them faith. You need to, get, you need to give your family faith. You need to give your family acceptance. You need to give your family time. They need your time. You need to give them help. And then you need to give them encouragement. They need to be encouraged. They need, they need to hear you say, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you, daughter. I, honey, you're doing a great job. I love you so much. This, this is incredible. But so many times for men, it's hard to give accolades. It's hard for men a lot of time, times to, 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 to boost somebody up. It's hard a lot of times for men to, to sit there and say, hey, good job when it comes to your family. But your family is dependent on your encouragement. Because you know what? Especially your kids, gentlemen, they want to please you so bad. And then R is real. They need a real dad. When I say a real dad, I mean a dad that says, you know what? I'm not perfect. I fail. I make mistakes. Okay? One that don't try to keep all the mistakes in the closet from their kids. Your kids need to see you make a mistake. I'm not saying go out and make one so they can see it. But I'm saying when you do, you need to talk to them and say, hey, man, I made a mistake. I made a bad decision here, guys. But you know what? I'm going to trust. I'm going to pray. First off, I want to say I'm sorry. I made that bad decision. Second off, we're going to pray about this. God's going to turn us around. They need a real dad. They don't need a fake dad. They need a dad that's going to look at them in their eyes and tell them the, the truth and love and care about them. That's what they need. Because a fatherless generation is going to send the whole world to hell. We truly need men to stand up. We need men, more men to stand up in the church. I mean, for how many years now, since whenever, women have always ran the church. And I mean that, not, not in a negative way. It's because there was no men to help them. So the women said, we're going to do it. There's so many women at the house that's running their household because men's not helping. Yes, it's hard, man, but we got to get in there and wash the dishes sometimes. We just can't do all the outside work. Your wife probably works just like you do. And we need to get in there and show them that we care, that we love, <clears throat> and that we're willing to help and do stuff like that and, and show them that, hey, you know what? I want to be a godly father. And if you have a desire to be a godly father, then you need to begin to really pray to God. God, show me my weaknesses. Show me, show me where I'm wrong. Show me where I'm weak. Show me where I'm falling a little bit short. And I, I misquoted something a while ago, I believe. It's the, the love of money is the root of all evil. I said the root of all evil is money, but it's the love of, of money. And that's what causes our downfall because we put our, our faith and trust in money and not in God. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Dear Heavenly Father, we love you today. We bless you. And we pray that you help us to be a father with some positive side effects. Maybe there's people in this room that's had a lot of negative side effects on their family. Well, Lord, every one of us fathers have had negative side effects on our family because of our attitude, because of our anger, because of our frustration, because of our negativity. But God, help us to, to add to our lives and to our family with positive side effects. 
Help us understand that every decision we make as a father, there are side effects, good and bad. And before we make that decision, let us think about the two and weigh them out, Father. To which side is this going to fall on? Is this, is this the best decision for me and my family? Is there a father today that would be in here and say, Pastor Doug, I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I want to be saved. And I mean, you may not be a father. You may be a, a mother, a daughter, or a son. But if you're in this house and you're saying, Pastor Doug, I want to receive Christ. I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I can't be good anything unless I have Christ in my life. Would you raise your hand and ask, so that we can ask Christ to come into your life today? Anybody at all? Well, hey, are there any men in the house at least that would say, Pastor Doug, I want to be a godly father. Would you raise your hand? Pray for me that I'll be the godly father that I'm supposed to be. I want to be a godly. Amen, amen. Hands all over the place. Every man in here that has a child should have their hand raised. Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you make us all godly fathers. We submit to you. We love you. We honor you today, sir. And we ask forgiveness for failing you. We ask forgiveness as fathers, Lord, for not stepping up and being the father to our children, not stepping up and being the, the, the husband to our wives. God, we ask for forgiveness, God, and we pray today that we will move forward and, and do what you've called us to do and that we would give faith to our families, that we would accept them and love them, that we would give time to them, that we would help them and encourage them, Father, and that we would be real with them. And we love you, God. Thank you for this opportunity today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. It's 11.04. How about that? Normally, second service ain't over until about 12.15. So, so it was so good to see you today. Um, we're honored that you came. You're such a big deal to me. I love you so much. Look forward to seeing you next week, and I'll be feeling tons better. And uh, thank you for, 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 for being attentive. God bless you. I love you so much. <laughs>